Welcome to Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapman. I'm along with my co-host, Tyler. Um, What's up, y'all? How's it going, man? This is an instant reaction, obviously, of the Dallas Cowboys-Lions game. The Lions, uh, Tyler, just try to bear with me. I don't even know, like, where this offense has uh, hibernated from. I mean, you look at this offense, they've scored uh, eight points. No, they scored, wait. They did, yeah, they scored six points in two games. I mean, you don't win football games like that. And then in the second half, they turned over the ball five freaking times. Yeah. So, I mean, so for once, man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say, like, you can't. And I know analytics and stats don't work this way, but you can't really count like the last, at least the last touchdown, maybe even more. Uh, like against the defense, you know, because they're in like trying to win mode, trying to get turnovers and stuff like that. Um, so I realistically count this as us giving up about 17 to the Cowboys, okay. right? Their last last play was due to a bad turnover and, and um, you know, at the very end of the game. The defense played great, man, for once. I mean, I can't – this is what I was talking about, about Aaron Glenn needing to scheme up something different, and they did, right? So Aiden Hutchinson, he was a standing – off-ball uh, rushing linebacker um, in a, in a two-point. So I loved that. Um, they did a lot of things schematically that I love that we'll get into later. This Just initial reactions, the defense played really good. The offense looks horrible. Yep. Um, you know, I understand that we played two good defenses in back-to-back weeks. Uh, and a lot of the – you know, you're missing your big guys. You're missing DeAndre Swift. You're missing uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown. But, man, something, I mean, it's just disappointing because the defense finally puts together a really good game, gets multiple stops, and the offense just freaking stalls out. And I think it's just being uh, the youngest team in the league, you know, being inexperienced. Um, we just don't know how to put a full game together on both sides of the ball. And I just – I don't have a lot to say other than it sucks. And we'll – um, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but as of right now, uh, with Carolina winning, uh, we're locked into the number one pick right now. So, yeah, well, you know, I, I think there's good things on the horizon for the rest of the season. I do. Um, I don't think they're going to like go winless throughout the season. Um, I do see them winning six, seven games, to be honest. And that's where the benchmark should be. When we looked at this defense, we told last, the last podcast we did, Tyler, we talked about how, you know, Aaron Glenn needs to be better. This defense needs to be better. And they come out and they played a hell of a fucking football game, a hell of a game. And to for the offense to come out there and dominate time of possession, but falter with turnovers over and over and over again. You had five turnovers in one half. You led the possession battle 31, 31 and 14 seconds to 28, 46 seconds. So you really controlled the, the time of possession. You controlled the game, and you didn't come away with what we call the main thing that matters, and that's scoring in the National Football League. You know, in the red zone, Detroit was 0 for 1. In the red zone for um, Dallas, they were 3 for 4. They had a field goal. They, they, had a, they had two touchdowns. Like, they had a third touchdown at the end of the game, which I don't even freaking count because it was basically right. over. But, like, you, you look well. at this. You look at this, and it's like another game where the offensive line doesn't show up. They gave up five sacks today, and I get that this is a good defense on the other side, Tyler. 
But the reality of the situation is when you play a talented defense like Dallas, and this is an offensive line that should not have any problems with doing it, Decker looked like a rag doll today. They abused him. Micah Parsons was constantly put on his side because Sewell was doing such a good job with Parsons. They started putting Parsons on Decker's side, and Decker couldn't do do nothing. Like Decker, yeah. Decker is becoming someone that he, he, listen. This was not his best game. Last week was not his best game, and they, they that's the way they play. Yeah, you could have used Swift. Yeah, you could have used St. Brown. But the reality of the situation is. They signed a free agent named DJ Chark, and he's been a freaking disaster as a free agent. Literally a disaster. And then you sign, then you know, you're hoping that some, uh, St. Brown stays healthy. He comes back, concussion, first drive, boom. Your 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 receivers were Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy, and Josh Reynolds. And I remember in the preseason, Tyler, all these freaking idiots were telling me that Tyler Ken- uh, Tom Kennedy or Tyler Kennedy or James Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, they said that he was going to be he, – he was a guy that should have made the roster. That guy should not have made the roster because yeah. you see what happens when he actually plays good teams. He doesn't have enough the, enough talent to overcome. That's where Lions fans <laughs> don't even know. The, we came into the season, we thought the wide receiver position would be have a lot of depth. James Williams hasn't played yet. St. Brown has been injured. Reynolds has been injured. DJ Chark has been, you know, he's a he's a freaking China doll, and that's the way it's been. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of teams they get um, they get guys that are hurt, and you got to find a way to step up. And I understand that. Um, it's just this one. It, it just this loss. I wasn't like screaming at the TV because the defense was Swiss cheese, or I wasn't upset really on a lot of like the coaching. Uh, you know, I, a couple times in the game, I was kind of questioning a couple things, but I think I was just exaggerating a little bit. Um, but, you know, looking overall and thinking back on it, I mean, this was a well-coached, well-schemed, well-played defensively uh, game. And the part that stings is like, look, man, Jamal Williams has over like – it took he's got over 600 carries in the NFL. And this is his first career lost fumble. Yep. I mean, talk about bad luck. I mean, this guy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it, it just, it just, I don't know what it was about it. He lost that fumble. Um, and I, I, I just don't even understand how that happened. You know, Tyler fell out for a minute, but when he lost that fumble, man, that was such a, just a, a that was a, that was a game changing play. Because if he doesn't fumble the ball at the goal line, if he doesn't fumble that ball, you're looking at a touchdown. You're looking at it being 13-10 at the time. And you're looking at the Detroit Lions taking a step up, putting the pressure on Dallas. Once that fumble happened, it really pushed things back into a, a bad situation for the Detroit Lions. And um, we could talk about it all day long about, you know, Goff and his interceptions, but what really killed the team was that Jamal Williams fumble. And like Tyler alluded to that, um, that was a big, that was a huge moment in this game today, huge. And like it was his first fumble of his career, first lost fumble of his career, and it's a fumble that is lost at the goal line. I mean, it, it when you're a running back, at any time when you make a play like that, you know you're hoping. One, 
you're hoping one that you don't fumble the ball at the goal line, but you don't even want to fumble the ball at, at, at you know you don't want to fumble the ball at all. But when you fumble the ball at the goal line and it's at the one, you know obviously it's not it's not the best it's not the worst place to uh, create a turnover because you got them backed up. But it's just a momentum killer because you could have got a touchdown, you could have changed the, the course of the game. Instead, it's a touchdown. The, the 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 I think it's I think it was um so he fumbled so that he fumbled they punted afterwards uh they punted so the the tide was turning the tide was turning and then the Dallas Dallas punts Detroit throws an interception you know the interception right up the middle that did that that was thrown to Tom Kennedy. That was intercepted by Jordan Lewis. You know who Jordan Lewis is. He went to Michigan. Jordan Lewis, you know, he he intercepts that ball. It's a touchdown. You know, he got it at the Dallas 46. They were in they they're inside Detroit zone. You know, that's the, some of the things that you're talking about when you lose those. And Tyler's back. But Tyler, I was telling people, yeah. I was you dropped. I don't know down. where I cut out. I don't know where I cut out. You're talking about the Jamal Williams fumble. Um, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was, just... I, I was I was telling him like, listen, I like. I, I kind of took over when you, you left or whatever, but the fumble wasn't even the big fumble was huge. Right. But they, they, the, the issue was they gave, they, you know, they gave up the ball. They made Dallas punt after that. And then right afterwards, Jared Goff creates a huge problem and back to back drives that the lions had fumble interception. And then after the touchdown, they had another fumble. Then after the, oh, yeah. and then after another Dallas touchdown, they had another fumble. Well, so, and I kept going, and I kept going. I couldn't tell when I cut out because I was, I was like standing by uh, the window. So I kept going on, by the way, for like five minutes. So, but what I was saying about that fumble is exactly what you were talking about. I said, look, if we can get the game called correctly, I said, and Jamal Williams, who, you know, as of 600, 600 carries, loses one fumble to another team in his, in his career, which I think he's been around about six years. You know, you lose that fumble, and then, you know, we get three or four really bad penalties by the refs where it was almost super obvious they were trying to give Dallas the game. And then, yeah. boom, Trayvon Diggs gets a pick that should have been overturned because it hit the ground. I thought it was I thought it was pretty convincing it hit the ground. Tony Romo thought it was pretty convincing. Um, you know, and, and Jim, well, Jim Nance, was he the other three today? Yeah. Um, everybody agreed, man. Um, and, but for some reason it's not reviewable. So, I mean, you take two single plays well, like that well, because, because it's, back not, it's, drives. It's, it's not reviewable because they already review every turnover in the booth. Yeah. But that, yeah, so, they didn't make the right decision. That was, that was tough. So if Dan Campbell throws a challenge flag there, like everybody wanted, it's a flag. Like they would have caught. I heard someone say that it wasn't like, it wasn't challengeable, but I don't know. I it don't wasn't know challengeable because they reviewed it in the booth. Okay. Like that's yeah. that's that's the issue. And then the 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 play where everyone was bitching about was the Brock Wright um, touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, but he was down at the one. And it was me and you that got into that step that match too. I mean, I know you, I know you were into it. I, I was saw into the, it. when I saw but, the better replay. I, I I can agree with you about like why you don't. But it's like, man, I and and I agree they probably wouldn't have moved the ball much, right? Because they put him at the one. Um, but it sucks because it's like, I don't know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you're pissed because it's like everybody's tired and the very next play they just rush and run it off the gut and then they fumble, you know? So you're thinking like, 
man, maybe if we had an extra second to to pick a different play or gather ourselves or to catch our breath, you know, maybe maybe we could, uh, you know, knock it in. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course, you're gonna think that. I mean, you could you could have went either way, you know what I'm saying? But like the reality of the situation is, it, it, here's the thing: when you if you challenge a spot like that, like a, a spot of the ball, um, like where like you're challenging inches, you're not even challenging a yard, or you're not even challenging two yards, you're challenging a couple inches. That's not going to be indisputable evidence. And literally, they're going to go. They're going to go there, and they're going to be like, not enough, not enough, um, not enough to overturn the call. It'll be call stands. Yeah. And that's what that's and then you, when you do that, you lost you lose the timeout. So I could see why right. I could see why Dan Campbell didn't uh challenge that. But at the same time, like you listen, the whole thing about that the whole thing about that um that was the fumble at the goal line. Period end of story. Nice. Yeah, no, I mean like look, man. That game was closer than it looked. I was really proud of the defense. Um, overall, though, bouncing off and piggybacking what you were saying, um, yes, that is a good coach game. A lot of the decisions that were tough to make, I feel like we made the right ones a majority of the time. Um, and it was just like, dude, we got unlucky so many times. And, you know, you got the pick that wasn't really a pick. You got – the fumble on the one yard line, you know, then, then all of a sudden momentum's totally against you. And you yeah, know, like, but, you can tell in the air, man, you can when, see it in the players. It's when like, you, when you dropped off, I was like, listen, when you fumble at the goal line, that's a momentum killer. No matter how you want to slice it, like that is a momentum killer because not only did you just like drop the ball, create a, you know, create a turnover for Dallas, like Dallas, like they didn't need that extra, you know, boost. That was really what it was. It was really just a boost. Right. And like you gave him that boost with the fumble, and listen, the fact that it was Jamal Williams' first lost fumble, and the fact that it was on the goal line, like that is just uh, a backbreaker. But then you know the defense makes them punt. Like I said, they made him punt. Like that was the defense showed up, and then right back then the offense says, "Screw it, we're gonna go and we're gonna throw another. We're gonna we're gonna turn over the ball again, and they get intercepted." Like he, listen. We I talked about how Jared Goff was doing good the first like three four weeks right. He was doing a really fine job running this offense. He was doing a really fine job at taking care of the ball for the most part with those you know we had he had those pick sixes that were you know more likely they were bad passes that he just got unlucky on because of um, the pick six. Like usually you don't see much pick sixes, especially when you're turnover you you're like two for three of pick sixes that end up in your own end zone. But, like, the fact – the last two games he's played absolutely awful. I mean, obviously, the health of this team has actually, you know, been a deterrent of that. But at some point, like, if he's the guy – if he's going to be that guy that you think is going to be a starting quarterback in this league and be your starter for, you know, the future, he's got to win those games, dude. Like, he just has to. Yeah, he does. And that's what, you know, is is scary because it's like – if you're choosing for this guy to be the guy to lead your offense and lead your, lead your team, that's the thing. Those are the things you get concerned about. And that's kind of where, you know, you, you start to see a lot of word from a lot of Rams fans and, a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, McVay supporters and just people out in LA about like, 
look, man, there'll be times where Goff can really get your team there. He can do enough. He can have a good command. He has this, like, kind of silent leadership about him. But I can also see where a lot of people have counter-argued and said, dude, this is exactly what you'll see. You know, you'll get excited because, um, you know, it's a guy good enough to get you there, but never really a guy to get you over the top or actually, like, you know, finish out the job or, or kind of doesn't have enough physical traits to to put the team on his back and do something crazy, you know, when, when you need it, which well, there's only a handful, a, a handful of guys in the league that truly can. But, um, you know, it's like it kind of makes you think and wonder, you know, if this is what I kind of want for the future. But then you're based on – then you're going off of like, okay, do I trust some – you know, blue chip, highly recruited, highly touted rookie with all these physical traits. So maybe he isn't, you know, patient enough or has the game slowed down enough, you know. And so it just depends on where you view yourself in terms of contention. Um, I think personally, and some people will agree with me, some people will disagree with me. Um, I think personally I've seen enough of golf to where I would be completely fine with going QB if we stay in the top five yeah. and and getting a QB on a rookie deal and building a defense and building a team and doing it the traditional way of, um, you know, have you seen a lot of teams do it? Seattle Seahawks uh, with Russell Wilson, you know, Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton. They went to the Super Bowl four years later. You know, you open up yourself a, a tight window when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal and you hope he turns into something promising and blossoming. Yeah. Um, the only way I do want Jared Goff sticking around is if we get a ton of blue chip top defensive talent and maybe we can restructure Goff's deal to maybe the cap hit isn't 35. Maybe if we can get him, if he does stick around, you know, maybe we get him in that 15 to 18 or 20 million range. Maybe it makes a little bit better, but I don't know, man. I think I've seen enough to where I I'd, I'd be fine with getting excited about a young rookie that's coming up here, man. I mean, there's it's a top, top heavy class, especially in terms of quarterback. And as of right now, we're locked into a top three. So. We'll so, we'll so here's here's the thing. This is from Dave Burkett of the Free Press. He says it was confirmed from the NFL. New York did take a look at the Dicks, Diggs INT. Campbell said officials told them it was confirmed too. So so that was that's basically it. Oh, as far as like confirmed interception. Yeah. So it wouldn't even have worked. So, I mean, people bitching about the uh, Dan Campbell not <laughs> challenging that. It was if he can't. It's just can't. classic Detroit versus everybody, dude. Like we're always screwed. Uh, like, it was, listen, the, he, I, I'm I, uh, I, I'm a, I'm gonna stand alone with this. Okay, I know people think that he didn't he didn't get that interception, but he did. He didn't drop it. He it it was tight, but but you're not gonna get that call at all. Like you, yeah. No, it's, it's, no, I think you're no, gonna get what no team what is they gonna, call on the field. No team is gonna get that call. Like none. Right. Like they're not gonna reverse uh, it. If it was the Green Bay Packers versus Dallas Cowboys, it would still been a freaking interception. Like But it, you know the thing, if it were called incomplete, I don't think it would have been overturned either. Right, but that's where that's where you get you get the call. Like if they call it's it's like if they call it It's just know, funny how Detroit they never get the favorable call, you know, well, ever. That, you know, dude, nothing looked, can ever it, be called. It, it, it looked it looked like an interception. So if like let's stop saying like it was it was just a Detroit versus everybody type thing. Because the reality of the situation is, it will look like an interception. It was an interception, and the NFL confirmed that it was an interception. Yeah, I mean, it just it does suck though. On top of that, when you know you're coming back and you're trying to you're trying to march down the field and score, and and you know you're you got three or four penalties in the next drive, and then you get two big ones in the following drive. Um, 
you know, a couple really, a couple really bad ones, man. Or, you know, you, you got guys picking people up and suplex them into the ground. Yeah, that that was got, that was a total that was a total mess to call, but you, you know. got you got hold, you got a couple bit really bad holds. Yeah, um, and 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 kind of mixed conflictions here. Anzalone, which I wish that dude would literally like get a one way ticket to another country and not be allowed back. But it's like he's in the middle of the field, right? And he's kind of like holding this dude a little bit, roughing up on him. The guy grabs him, he wraps his arm around him, and holds him there for. Se- three or four seconds and I'm then not, they get I'm not saying that the refs were good. I'm not saying it's that just at all. Like, it just seems the like refs, the, refs every... were, the, the refs were freaking brutal on both sides of the ball. And it was even it was it was even apparent when like Hutchinson he turns and the guy is holding him. And then the next play, you know, the next series where Detroit's on there, Parsons does the same thing and they call a hole. So I just right. I, like I don't get it. But the Lions is really it really comes down to this dude. Like it just it just does. It comes down to the Lions turn over the ball more than, um, you know, the stupid refs or anything like that. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, we gave Dallas three touch. We gave him three pe- uh, first downs off penalties. I mean, I know you're talking about the one with Anzalone. That's that was a garbage call, but like, you can't do that. Um, you you turn over the ball five times. Like, it, it doesn't matter what the refs did, you lost. It, doesn't it just matter. sucks because it's like I'm, we're already talent deficient, and so all the opportunities where we may where I'm sorry, all the opportunities where we may have a chance to gain some momentum back, or to make a big play, or to convert on a third down, or to get a sack on a third down, it's like the penalties and the flags they come and they they're against us, and it's like it's just it just. Man, I see every other team in the league always catch these crazy, lucky, cool breaks, you know, and it's like it just it gets so frustrating because I just don't think that we've earned enough respect around the league to start getting those. But it's like if we can never catch a break, how the hell are we ever supposed to get that respect to get those calls? Okay, it's just tough. It's frustrating. I, I, I it's hate frustrating. this. I hate this whole this whole conversation because you make your own breaks, like you overcome bad calls. That's just what it is. I call it the Aaron Rodgers. His dude's I, been getting breaks his whole career. Tom Brady's uh, you, know his whole career. you know why? Because you know why? You know why he gets those calls? Because he's a he's earned those freaking calls. You know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, they can get those calls anytime they effing want. If a guy like Jared Goff does it, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater does it, a guy like Tua does it, a guy like Jameis Winston does it, they're not getting the same freaking calls. That's just the reality. And when you're, right. a good team, when, you're when, you, when you're a good team, when you're a good team like uh, Dallas, when you, you know you're a prestigious team, you're gonna get those calls. So Detroit has to just overcome the calls. I mean, I I I, I know people are oh, out there. Out of it, there you go. What? What'd you say? What'd you say? Yeah, I just um, no, it's just one of this. Oh uh, yeah, you're coming out there, so you're good. Coming back. Yeah, I, I was. I sorry, but when you get those, when you you make when you uh, when you're that way, you can you get those calls. Period, and that's the way it is. Like you know, Aaron is gonna get that call because he's earned it. Mahomes gets that call, he's earned it. Oh, it's a recording stop. What? Yeah, we're back now. So I don't, I don't know what happened there. 
No, you're good. I just said, you know, it's tough because it's like, as a lifelong fan, dude, you like, like long for that, those kind of things to go your way. It's just the truth be told, we've never really had a guy that's of that status that's earned that kind of stuff. But it's just like, it makes you like, it's just, it's funny. There's so much national attention on us getting screwed that it's like almost funny at this point. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, we've got to, I mean, that's, I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here making excuses or saying like, that's the reason we lost. Cause that's not, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't, it never makes anything easier when you're going against two teams at that point, you're going against the officiating crew and the opposite team. And if you're not resilient and you don't got super playmakers and superstar guys to make up for that, like it's going to be hard to get wins in the win column. Yeah, well, so, be, you know what I mean? It's just, let's be honest with it though. Like, let's be honest with the way that this Detroit Lions team has to do, do things. Like they can't do things like uh, Philadelphia. They can't do things like the Chiefs or the 49ers or anything like that because they don't have the talent to overcome that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. when we look at this Lions team and we look at the, you know, the way that they play, yeah, you know, they're in every game. And that's that's a, that's a testament to Dan Campbell that they're in every game, that they play hard, that they, you know, they're they're in every game. But the, the, the part that where they don't get the, the chance to – overcome their mistakes because they don't have game breakers like Aiden Hutchinson showing up today that was welcomed we needed that for sure you know on offense when, when you're missing a guy like DeAndre Swift when you're missing a guy like um like uh I'm Ross St. Brown Jamison Williams I mean those those hurt DJ Chark China doll he's on he's not on there um so you're down to Josh Reynolds you're down to Cleef Raymond you're down to Tom Kennedy like that's no way to win so the talent is for the talent that they had in the football field today, they put up a good fight, but they just they weren't they weren't talented enough to overcome those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm gonna try to shift this a little bit, you know, to to a couple of things that I can see that's positive. Um, a couple of things because watching a team like this, man, when we're we gotta remember that it is the second year of a total teardown and rebuild. So, you know, especially me, because it's like you always want your football team to win or you always want your football team to do well. So you got to kind of remind yourself of where you're at. And, you know, comparing yourself to other coaches or other teams is unfair because they're not in the same situation that we're in. They're not in the same market we're in. They're, they don't have as little of talent that we do. So I get it, man. I do. Um, but I am trying to find some positives. So, I mean, a couple of positive things. Um, coaches schemed finally man defensively Aaron Glenn put something together he said I'm gonna coach for my job I'm not gonna look like a bum he schemed up nicely I loved it um another thing another positive Aiden Hutchinson standing up as a rushing linebacker off the weak side yes dude give me more of that like I love that that was great I mean we've been talking about how absent this dude has been and I thought today he was like a game wrecker like he two sacks three quarterback hits uh five pressures like he was killing it dude he was doing a great job and um that just goes to show too though how important it is to have some of those other guys man i don't i don't think uh, kaminsky was back was he i don't think yeah. i don't think he was yeah he was was he yeah okay i was i was looking for him i didn't it's okay so but i know josh pascal man i know he was there and yeah. that dude is looking like the next he's looking like the real deal man uh he was causing a lot of disruption on the, in the middle of the line yep and he's strong as hell but he's also athletic and quick and yep. agile man like that that's a big positive i think you know shoot we if we do decide that we're gonna go 
QB, um, maybe second half or so with that second first round pick, or maybe like second round or not at all. And we are, we do stay in the top three and we get a dude like Will Anderson. Like, whew, you're talking about a pretty dangerous defensive line, man, a pretty dangerous front seven. So, no, I totally agree. You know what, Kaminsky, you know, I mean, you'd Kaminsky. have something to look forward to. Kaminsky was huge on that first sack that uh, Ian Hutchinson had. I mean, he he basically pushed uh, the lineman into the other lineman. It opened up the the hole for Aiden Hutchinson to get the sack. Josh Pascal, you know, you you mentioned him. He, I've always wanted to see this kid uh, play on this on this team because I know that he can be a really good football player. I know that he can be a difference maker, and like just getting a guy like Josh Pascal on a defense, you know, with Aiden Hutchinson, it kind of opens up a little bit of. Um, you know, what you could do with a defense. And when Charles Harris comes back, that opens up more opportunities for this defense to get better. But it's ultimately what it's going to become is the offense has to get healthy because right now, you know, you need Jameson Williams to come back. You need you need Swift to come sure, back. Do we ever, man. You need St. Brown to come back. I mean, it's just a reality. Like, this team needs talent because DJ Chark's on IR, IR now. He's, um, you know, he's not come, he's not going to be come back. Um. I- I need to ask you something, man. Yeah. I need to ask you something important. Yeah. How many – how much is too much for you to tell DeAndre Swift to walk out that damn door and not come back? He is a great player. He's a game-breaker. But he's on a contract year, man. And I don't think he's ever – I don't think he's put together more than 10 games in any season. He's put, I mean, he's what, together, how much is too much? He's put together 13. But the reality of the situation is he hasn't stayed healthy. And last year at this time, last year uh, at draft time, I was all for the Lions drafted Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. I really wanted those. And people were telling me, oh, you you don't, the Lions don't need a running back. They go, listen, Jamal Williams, he's a cute back. He's, he's, he's a guy that's going to give you, you know, some good yards. He's going to, he's, he's a solid running back, right? But what you need is a game breaker. If, if Swift misses time at any time, you just lost your game breaker. You know, you lost a guy who could break yeah. the game open. So when they, these people are telling me, oh, we don't need a running back, we don't need a running back, you do need a running back. And honestly, to be honest, if we're being totally freaking honest with, our, with ourselves right now, and I, me included, um, I don't think I would pay Swift. I'm just being straight out. I don't think I'd pay Swift. I, I think that unless it's a deal that, you know, benefits the Lions, I'm not paying him. You can't stay healthy. It's like tough, dude. It's like, you know what I mean? It's hard. It's like, what What do you, you know, this guy's got insane game-breaking ability, but it's like, at what cost? I mean, what? You know, cool, he's got game-breaking ability, you know, nine games out of the year. If you're, really, not, if, you're really not cool. on, if you're not on the field, it doesn't freaking matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, like let's, let's, look at, let's look at a team like the 49ers, okay? They have so much running back depth that they lost Elijah Mitchell. Jeff Wilson held it together for, you know, a while. And then they felt like, yeah, we can go out there and get a Christian McCaffrey, even though that their, their running back depth is pretty solid. I mean, it, it, it's still a running football. It's, it's still a running league. The Dallas Cowboys have Zeke Elliott and they have Tony Pollard. Tell me that yeah. doesn't that doesn't help you. I mean, Tony Pollard is a fast guy who can he, he can break a game too. Zeke's the same way. I mean, you look at all these good teams. You look at all these good teams in the NFL – you know, like the you know last year you had, um, you had the Bengals. They had Joe Mixon. They had Chris Evans. They had um, you know, they had guys that can break the game 
open like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all that stuff. Like you need game breakers, period. And when the game breakers aren't on the football field, you're gonna struggle. Like you just are. I mean, you need guys who, and you need guys who can stay healthy. That's the main point. Like you need guys that are gonna stay healthy. That are gonna give you, um, you know, listen. I can deal with you missing two games, three games sometimes, but like you missing like four games every year. In case of DeAndre Swift, I mean that's just that's just four games. That's huge. So I would I, I would mean, I would be look if I was the Lions I'd be looking at getting a, a running back in here through the draft this year. But then you say like you like oh like oh if he misses four or five games but but is he a hundred percent for the other twelve? No, you know what I mean. Like the dude seems like he's banged up and hurt like all the time. Even the games he does play, he's like dealing with a lingering. We didn't even get we didn't we didn't, we didn't even get through week one and the guy was already banged up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's 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 some of the stuff that you have to look at if you're a Lions fan. Like, I know you want to go defense. 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 Last year, uh, in last year's draft, you only hit you only drafted two offensive players. You drafted James Williams. You drafted James Mitchell. Right. The rest were right. defensive players. So, at some point, uh, Brett Holmes' defensive drafts that he's done needs to come to fruition. Period. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and, and these people screaming for defense, defense, defense. Well, when you don't when you don't prioritize building the football team and you prioritize one spot and you miss out on a guy like Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker or, you know, name a running back that you can miss out on. I mean, look at the Steelers. Every, the Steelers, the 49ers, they always draft running backs every year because they know that running backs are – it's it's literally – you don't have much shelf life on these guys. They're gonna get hurt. Right. They're gonna get banged up. So you gotta you gotta have at least two to three good guys. The Lions only have oh, two. Most of these, yeah. The Lions only have two right now. But most of these guys, they only like you know they'll draft and and they they usually don't even re-sign a lot of these guys. You know what I mean? Unless you get like a stud. Um, unless you it's, know. unless unless it's Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor or. Saquon Barkley, like you're not Zeke Elliott, you're not you're not really you're not really going and saying, yeah, I'm gonna commit money to a guy who is um, a running back who, you know, it can say like the Todd Gurley effect. You know, Jared Goff is well aware of that when when that happens is when Todd uh, Todd Gurley went out, right? Uh, it wasn't the yeah. same. It wasn't. It wasn't the same team. They lost a game breaker. They had to rely on Malcolm Brown, and Malcolm Brown is God bless his heart. He's a good. He's a good fo- uh, football player. He's not Todd Gurley, you know, and and, and Jamal well, Williams, Jamal Williams is not um, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, and Todd and dude, and Todd Gurley. I mean, poor guy's retired and he's only twenty eight. You know. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have two bad knees, and that's 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 that's, a, that's what happens when you're a running back in the league. You know. Yeah. Well, like, and I do, and I can't, I can't agree that you know you're starting to shift my mindset a little bit on that. I know that you need to continually bring in offensive playmakers, but it's like. You know, that's why I trust uh, and like Brad Holmes' like late round, you know, late round hits, you know, the last couple of years is because it's like, you know, hey, man, if we can find a way to get another really good running back, you know, a B. John Robinson or, you know, pick somebody up in free agency. Jameer Gibbs, um, yeah, yeah, one of those guys. Exactly. You know, something. And then, you, and then you got Jamo back on the field. And then it's like, you know, you can kind of flirt with the idea of a new quarterback. You can, but and then and, and you know, obviously you have to take some positions in need, man. You got you got to spend a couple picks on linebacker, um, you know, in secondary. I mean, you have to, but 
you know, I, I do agree. You do need to build the, the football team, um, you know, completely because we draft, you know, all defense for three or four years and we're not going to have any offense. So it's like, and then we'll be in the exact opposite problem. I mean, the reality, dude, is like when you don't draft like guys, right, that you believe in, right? Let's you take a def- you take a defensive draft. If the Lions drafted a wide receiver, would would they, would it help them out right now? Uh, if they took a second wide receiver, maybe. This is what I'm saying. Like you're gonna have guys that are injured throughout the season, and you have to have depth, and you're gonna have to draft at all positions. You know, don't don't play this oh, stupid. Don't, don't. It's like. It's like the guy who um, does his fantasy draft, right? And, like, he takes four running backs in a row. And then next thing you know, he's drafting for a quarterback and he's picking out a Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. Well, you prioritize one position of need that you needed for your team, and you forgot about the most important parts. You know, you forgot about a wide receiver. You forgot about a freaking quarterback. Like, that's just the way it goes. And that's what happens throughout this whole thing. You know, part of the reason that we've had these issues with the Detroit Lions for three, you know, a couple of years is, is because the GMs don't prioritize depth. You know what I'm saying? Like, depth is the big – depth is, like, your biggest need in for a football team. Because if you look at the team today that we played Dallas, right, when Dak went out, Cooper Rush stepped in and they won games, right? Yep. A guy like Sam Williams can come in for Demarcus Lawrence and Mark, Micah Parsons, and he can make a difference. We've seen that today. They have cornerback depth. They have wide receiver depth. They didn't even have Michael Gallup for the first four games, I think. You know? Like, yeah, I mean, I do agree. This, you is, this is what happens when you're a good team. You have depth. I mean, you look at the San Francisco 49ers. They're on the TV right now playing the Chiefs, winning 10-7. to They've been injured a ton. But their depth brought them through to a three and three record, and right now they're leading the, the Chiefs right now on, on on Fox. Like that's just what happens when you have depth. Yeah, and I I just it's like what I need to see for this Detroit Lions football team. I think now more than anything, um, and I hate to say it because it sounds so beaten up, right? It sounds so overused that uh, all the fans like are tired of hearing it. But if you were gonna commit to a full rebuild, which we finally did. I, I hate to say it because I'm one of the most impatient people on planet freaking earth, but we just try, we need to try to our best to exercise patience, but also have like urgency at the same time. So like we need to be patient errors and letting these things grow and build and develop, but also urgent in the sense that some of these guys like either need to be replaced, let go or other, other depth and talent needs to be infused so that you're continually breeding a culture of winning and being better than your opponent and having more skill and being a harder worker. You know what I mean? Like you've got to like combine these things because sometimes I feel like some teams are too loyal, I guess you could say, or too reliant that these guys, Oh, this is my guy, man. I know what he's capable of. And you let him drag out too long or you can't replace them or you can't bring more new talent in. And on the other side of that, you got to let some guys grow and develop. You can't just be replacing and flipping positions every season or every two seasons. That's why all those people are the whole fire Dan Campbell crowd. If you, like you said last pod, dude, are you going to like just flip your regime every 25 games until right. the end of time? I mean, 
I mean, you, you, know see, I mean? you see guys like Bill Cowher, you see guys like Tony Romo, you see guys saying, you know, Dan Campbell it has, you know, has what it takes to just Detroit needs to be patient. And it's the truth because, listen, if you fire this guy tomorrow, right, if you fire Dan Campbell tomorrow, do you know what message it sends to uh, future coaches that that want that are available? It sends a message that if you don't win in the first 25 games that you're going to be gone. And you know who does that, and that it's it's exactly what's going to happen in Carolina if they don't get if they don't get their their crap straight. You know you can't yeah. fire you can't fire a coach that took over a rebuild, and fire him within two years. Like you just can't. I got right, because then no one's going to be able to to want to come in there and truly give it their all to rebuild when, you know what I mean? You, you're like, oh shit, I better get it done in twenty games. Yeah, you're not you're not even gonna get your full you're not even gonna get the full chance to prove yourself. I mean, that's just that's like the reality. Like Dwayne Casey, right? You're a Pistons guy. Um, he's given the chance to, you know, try to make improve this team and try to, you know, get him along. You know, uh, Jeff Flashel when he was with the Red Wings, he, he was he, there was a time where, you know, people overlooked him, you know, being a, a subpar coach and like they just wanted to see progress. Right. He didn't give the progress and the Red Wings fired him because they didn't see enough progress. Same thing will happen to uh, Dwayne Casey if he doesn't do it in, within the next you know year or two. But like, yeah, I mean. Dan Cam- just, Dan Campbell Dan Campbell came into a crap situation where you know his cap situation is ridiculous, and um, you know it's just it's that's just the way it's going to be. Like you're not firing the guy. Uh, Aaron Glenn showed that he's a good he's a good coach. Um, you know Ben Johnson. He's the last two games have been pretty bad for Ben. He's got to get together. He's got to get you know it would be nice if they just went on a roll and won four straight. That's what that would be nice. Oh, it'd be great. I mean, it would be very positive. I think a lot of the narratives would change. I think the talent and, uh, you know, the scheming and the resiliency in the fight, you know, there is enough to be able to rattle off some wins. It's just, you know, when and how and at what cost. And and is it going to be in time? I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, the lines with Stafford? We go on, we start off, you know, Two and six, one and five, two and seven, three and eight, and all of a sudden they rattle off four or five wins. And it's like you just want it to you don't want it to be all for nothing. You want those to start translating to a more positive future and development of your players and you know, finding guys that can can turn into to stars. I mean, um, I think you're right. I mean, you infuse the uh, you know, you put Jameson Williams back into that offense, you grab a young running back, someone to pair up. Um, and you, you know, kind of, uh, have still have Swift and, and Williams kind of working as a committee while this maybe guys, guys are rookie, but you infuse some, some game breaking talent, man, across the board. And then it's like, then you start to see, you know, the vision. Um, that's why I think that with the way that the, the league is going, um, you need to have a quarterback with a, a high physical trait, someone who can extend the plays, um, who can extend the pocket who can scramble for first downs. I mean, watching Jared Goff try to run away from Michael Parsons today to get the first down was like watching a, like a full grown lion attack a kitten. Yeah. But you know, I mean, you, you, <laughs> you look, you look at it like this too, right? Like um, CJ Stroud from Ohio state, he's not really a running quarterback. He's not going to run. He has the ability to run, but he's not going to run. You know, well, I'm not necessarily thinking mobile or running quarterback. Yeah, but I'm you, just but someone you, that can extend plays. Listen, I don't care about mobile. I don't care. Honestly, like, yeah, you would like to prefer have a mobile guy, but the, 
you know, you can win with a guy who's who stands out in the, in the pocket and delivers darts. Like Joe Burrow, I'm pretty sure everyone in this freaking place would be happy about Joe Burrow. Yeah, he could show resume. But, yeah, he can go and run if he needs to, but he's not running, dude. He's not. But but he's but he's fluid in the pocket and he can. Yeah, but here's the thing. The it, here's the thing about Joe Burrow. The one thing he does, the uh, that you know makes him a good quarterback, is he sits in that pocket and he delivers the ball. Obviously, if he was more mobile, I mean, there's sometimes where Joe Burrow. Here's what happens when you have a mobile quarterback, and I I don't think people re- realize this when they say they want a quarterback that runs a little bit, you know, it makes it harder on your offensive line. Like a guy like uh, Joe Burrow, right? He, there's times where he'll get out of the pocket and he'll make things happen. Like he'll make things happen, but he's also got himself into trouble with sacks. I mean, you look at a guy right. like, you, may, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, like when he's behind there, he's got himself in trouble with sacks. Uh, Dak Prescott, same thing. J- uh, Justin Herbert, same freaking thing. You know, at some point you need to sit back there and just throw the ball. And I think people, and I know that we're not gonna. I think get I think a guy. I think what people I think people look at it like this, okay? Like, I'm not a big fan of Bryce Young. I'm I'm really not. Like I'm not. I don't think he's gonna be this great quarterback. He's six one. He's small. Um, and, and he likes he likes to get outside the pocket. It's gonna it's gonna open up some you know it's your 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 offensive line's not gonna be able to block for that for that so long, that so long you know what I'm saying, right? So like like a guy like Will Levis like that's a guy that intrigues me but I don't think we'll be in position to get Will Levis I don't because I don't I think they're gonna win six seven games this year still, um but I, listen I I know that's people, the boldest prediction I've heard you make man I don't know I after watching these first six games I don't know man. Well, I don't. I don't go up for a six games. I mean, like, look, they were in every. They were in every freaking game. I mean, you're gonna go six and five in the next eleven games, and we play some. We play some tough opponents, man. It's yeah, but here, here's, here's, here's the thing: you have, you you got to win some on the road. But you got the Bears twice. You got which, you which got, we haven't won a road game in two freaking years almost. We need yeah, to get a win it's, on the road. It's, it's time for Dan Campbell to win a game on a road. I mean, he's gonna get his, he's gonna get his uh, shot with. The Giants and uh, Chicago, and he's got to win one of those. Period. End of story. But um, like I, like I, you got the pan, you got two games against the Bears, you got the Panthers, um, you got the Jags, you got the Jets, which they both look good too. But listen, you got to win these games. I don't care. You, I they need to show progress. That's all they need to do is show progress for the rest of the season. We'll be good. Yeah. Hey man, shout out. Let me let me do a quick shout out here to my boy. Uh... My boy Jeff Okuda, man, fifteen tackles today. Yeah, Jeff Okuda was amazing, and he was he was even better with the run. Now you don't want your cornerback getting fifteen freaking tackles, or your no, safety. no, oh no, that means right, 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 right. I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, like it's like okay. at some point it's like our leading tacklers are two guys in the secondary. Like uh, that's not really that great. Like um, but you know, they, Elliot had a tackle for a loss. Okuda had a tackle for a loss. That just shows you how good they played. Aquara, Hutchinson, uh, they both had tackles for loss. Like, just it was a great game for the Detroit uh, Lions defense. Uh, ultimately, their offense didn't come up to, come to play, so that's all. Uh, that's, that's, that's all that matters, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely. Um, you're right. I mean, it's just, we just it. It's like I I'm at the point in the season, dude. It's like the the excitingness is like wearing off of the beginning of the season and we're starting to see things and it's like I don't know I'm just I want to see in these next couple of weeks man I want to see something like 
really positive, man. And I think the only way I'm really going to see that is if we come like we come out with a scrap like a scrappy win, or like we like knock the brakes off somebody and we just say, "Hey, look, we're here." Yeah. You know, it's like I got to remember that this team didn't win a game until uh, what week thirteen last year, week twelve. Yeah. So, you know, we won week two. I know it was against, uh, you know, uh, an opponent that not too many people are high on. But, hey, they've – I think they've, what, won four games? They, won, um, they beat the Packers day, so that's, that's, you know. You know, so, like, I get it. Um, you know, people are frustrated. But it's like – but I, I just – I want to see some positivity, man. And I want to see some growth. And I hope that, you know, maybe by the end of the season, um, you know, we find another – staple of our offensive defense you know i think right right away we found that um you know rodrigo is going to be a very vital point a really vital part of this team i think today we shot we showed that with kaminsky and um with kaminsky and pascal back it really helps aiden out and it really beefs up our line so you know look to see when we do get romeo Aquara back or charles harris back you know and maybe possibly add a add another edge rusher, um, you know, in the next year's draft. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but I think we do try to get, kind of find some silver linings and find things that we can look forward to. Um, and, you know, Amani didn't look horrible today for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Okuda, man, look, he looked like the best player on the field. I mean, outside of like Michael Parsons. Yep. Um. I. I mean, he looked good, dude. He. He was a lot of those tackles too were because other guys missed tackles or missed assignments. So, I mean, he saved a couple big plays. So, I'm just, you know, if we can find a few things to take away from you know now until the end of the year, and we find some staples and some corner pieces, I think that after year two, that's really when uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are going to sit down, really see like okay, what's, you know, what's working in what areas, what's not, like, let me get a full analysis and see where our cornerstone pieces are. And then I think some moves start happening. You know, the guys that are on their last leg, you know, now that you're entering that third year and you're ready to win, hey, look, the Will Harrisons, the Mike Hughes, um, you know, the Anzalonis, look, dude, if you can't, if you can't play and you, you can't be, you know, worth uh, half a donkey's ass, then go find a new team. Yeah. You know, I think that we're going to start to see that next year. I think I think because of the stage that we're at in this rebuild that right now we're still almost kind of like having um kind of like open tryouts. I know it sounds weird, but kind of like an open tryout position like on the field. So it's like <laughs> you know, we're going to analyze and see how these guys play and where we can play them, what we can do. Um but I still think Lions fans that you guys got to remember Next year is supposed to be the year we start to see change, man. You can't, you know, year three of the rebuild ever. Experts said it, analysts said it, coaches said it, owners said it, general managers said it. Year three, you know, we plan to have this ship on the right path. And, um, you know, we have another season, another off season coming with two first round picks. Um, and we have a lot of dead money falling off the caps. And we have a lot of guys that we realize we can play without like uh, Vitae and probably Taylor Decker. Um, you know, there's a couple – Michael Brockers. Right. Um, there's a lot of guys that you can you can go without and you'll be just fine. I think Hank Fraley has done an awesome job with our offensive line, and we finally have a, a, a group that is almost, like I said in previous pods, is like a um, plug-and-play. 
and a rotating coaching masterpiece. So I think some of those, you know, big name guys and some of those really expensive guys, you know, like Big V making 11 million a year as our right guard. You, you won't be back next year. It's, 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 you get rid of a couple of guys, man. We can make room for some other guys that we really need. You know? here's, here's, here's what I'm looking for for the rest of the season. I just want to see progress. I want to see uh, wins. I want to see uh, the team, you know, make significant progress on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you win games. Maybe you go on a run. You never know. I mean, it's just that's the way it is. But I don't see them. Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. But I, I, I'd, like to, I'd, I'd like to see them win six, seven games, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, even if I know, I know they've been, I know they've been in every game. Okay, I know they've been in every game. They've had a shot to win these games. It, it's been, it's been up to, you know, a few plays here, a few plays there. But if you get the same defense you got today, you're gonna, you're gonna have a good shot to win every game, especially if this offense gets their ass together. Because yes, last two weeks have been brutal to watch because they haven't even moved the ball enough to really yeah. be an offense that you fear. Yeah, and that's all yeah. it comes. It's all it comes down to. And this is another Detroit Lions post game, like you know, podcast. Obviously, uh, Tyler, and me, we're a little bit you know pissed off about this game because it's really it really feels like a game they should have won, right, Tyler? Yeah, it does. Of and, course, it does. I mean, and the, and the interceptions, in the interceptions, the fumbles, uh, just, just I, I'm I sloppy play, man. I that just that will kill you every time. It doesn't matter what you do, fumbles. You know, turnovers as a, as a whole will kill you every single time. So, listen, to all the Lions fans, just practice patience. Even though you've been patient for 60 years, it doesn't matter because what's another year, you know? What's another year? Yeah, man. You know, you're right. I mean, and we've got to just try to, you know, I, I think that at least – rebuilding finally we have an idea yeah, i mean rebuilding they're, they're rebuilding it's it's that's the way it is so we'll see you guys next we'll see you on wednesday on the pod or tuesday yeah. maybe, or tuesday maybe but um listen it wasn't the way it should have went it, the lions should have won this game if we're being honest they just didn't take care of the ball they didn't make good plays and that's the reason they lost and it's been a symbol the whole season where you take a few plays away and they could win that game and this is another game where if you take those plays away, you probably win the game, but you, you, those plays live with the game, and that's why you lost. Yeah, man. I just, I'm just i hoping to, to find some positives and, and the rest of the season and see some guys grow and learn and um, you know continue to see our coaching staff make you know positive um, moves and, and the right decisions and the right calls. And I think Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn both coached significantly better today. Yeah. Um, so it does you know it is good to see um you know we'll just continue to watch the rest uh of this season and try your best you know keep positive keep resilient and, and find ways to to you know really stay excited about this man and um at some point i don't know if it's going to be later this year or next year or two years later man at some point we're gonna say, damn! It was all worth it, and thing, things are finally coming together. We got our guys. Let's go to so work. It should be, it should be next year. So that's the way it should be. And listen, that's the way it's gonna be. And we'll talk about more on the podcast Tuesday and Wednesday. But th- this was just we'll we'll kind of configure our thoughts and you know see what we think going forward to the Dolphins game. Man, it, it was just it was a struggle today, and I I, th- I think the Lions should have won. But 
This is the Detroit Lions News Podcast on, you know, on the JC Sports Network. And obviously, we'll see you guys Tuesday, Wednesday, um, as we talk about Detroit Lions. We're going to have to mix some things in, like draft talk. I mean, I can't believe we're talking about draft talk in October. But, um, yeah, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, man. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll catch you next time. And um, don't forget to try, tune in, man. I just started the uh, Bad Boys Revival podcast. Uh, over for the Pistons. So if you like Pistons, go check this out. Um, and then and Joe runs a really, really good um, Red Wings podcast, as you guys know as well. And they're kicking off their season. So, hey, we'll be a lot, you know, have a lot of different opportunities to talk about a lot of different teams in the Detroit area, man. So you guys stay tuned for that. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next episode. Hopefully they all pop at the same time, except for the Tigers. But that's the way it is. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast. We're previewing the Dolphins game and, and configuring our thoughts about the, the Lions-Cowboys games. But this was the initial reactions for the Detroit Lions versus Dallas Cowboys. And obviously it wasn't the way we wanted it, but it is the way it is. And that is the end of the podcast. And we will see you guys later this week. All right, guys. See ya.